In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. Let's remember what the word epiphany means. It means the manifestation of the divine to man. In other words, the revelation of God to us. That is what epiphany is. Our Eastern Rite brothers and sisters in the Orthodox Church, they celebrate theophany tonight. The word means the very same, the revelation of God. Tonight they celebrate, and today they celebrate the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Jordan River. Because it was at that point that God, His voice came down from heaven and proclaimed Jesus Christ to be His Son, revealed it to those around we in the Western Rite, we celebrate the visit of the wise men to our Lord Jesus Christ, not too long after his birth. And when we remember this event in the gospel, we are remembering the revelation of God to all of us, the Gentiles. Okay. When my family and I were in Tennessee over the between Christmas and I guess three or four days ago. We had the opportunity, went, we went to the uh, church that Debbie's, Korea, Debbie's parents go to, and the pastor actually preached on our gospel reading from tonight, and I'm glad that he did, because the Lord put in my mind some things that I needed to personally deal with in preparing for Epiphany. I need to think about some things. And so I would and pray and begin to look at what the church fathers talk about when, they, when we look at the visitation of the wise men before our Lord Jesus Christ and their worship of Him. And this framework, I think, is going to help us all to take a look at our lives and ask ourselves the question, how do we respond in our lives to the revelation of God to us? God is constantly revealing Himself to us more and more if we're watching. How do we respond to that revelation? You see... In the story that we have in the gospel reading from St. Matthew in chapter 2, there are three persons or people groups that we see in play in this story. We have King Herod. We have the chief priests and the scribes. And then we have, as we've already mentioned, we have the wise men who travel a long distance to come and worship the Christ. All of whom King Herod, the chief priests, and the scribes, and the wise men, all of whom had the knowledge of the prophecy that in Judea, in Israel, a king would be raised up who would rule a mighty reign. All of them had this knowledge. And all of them, at least to begin with, had the understanding in their minds that this would be a mortal king that would be raised up, that would come and serve, at least at a minimum, a kingship that would rule and free them from all those who had oppressed them. And so when we look at these three, King Herod, the chief priests, and the scribes, and the wise men, we're going to see three different responses to the revelation of God. And I will tell you this, and if you look at your lives, you'll see it. All three responses are in every one of us. Now, our Lord wants us to ditch two of the three responses and hold on to one. But we need to look at all of them. Why? So that we can allow the Holy Spirit to show us where we're doing the other two. Okay? So let's start with King Herod. King Herod was an exceptional 
architect and engineer. The buildings that he built were absolutely incredible. He is the one responsible, I think somewhere around 19 to 20 BC, he was responsible for building, or should say rebuilding and creating the second temple, which was the most immaculate of all the temples there in Jerusalem. He also built so many fortresses, and on those fortresses he would have his own castle, so to speak. I had the opportunity of being on one of them in 1997 when I went to uh, Israel. I went up to Masada. This was created, designed by King Herod the Great. It's a great fortress on a mountain that, that the Romans couldn't get to, but by building a huge earth ramp. It was an incredible structure. He was a genius, but in his later life, he started getting extremely paranoid. And this would, be, this would happen around the time of the birth of Christ. He became paranoid that someone was going to overthrow his kingship. And he wasn't only par paranoid when it came to the birth of Christ. He was paranoid within his own family. Killed a number of them. Out of the fear that they would change his way of life and overthrow his kingship. In the story, the wise men come to Jerusalem inquiring all over the city, where is the king who was born? King Herod gets wind of this. And so... As they're going around looking for the king that the star had led them to, King Herod calls the chief priests and the scribes before him and says, what is this about a king being born and a star leading them? They knew exactly what it was. Because they quoted to him from Micah in chapter 5, the prophecy that the one would be born in Bethlehem, that's where you'll find him. So he brought the wise men before him and he said, go and search diligently, you heard it say. Go and search diligently. In Bethlehem until you find the child. Then let me know where the child is so that I too can come and worship him. He had no intention of worshiping him. And so off the wise men went to Bethlehem. We'll get to their story in a minute, but they never returned to Herod. Herod knew that they had pulled a sneaky on him. So what does he choose to do at the revelation of the king? He orders that every male child two years old and under be slain. And so the soldiers went out and committed this hideous murder. So many children, so many souls, two years and under, their lives would be taken for the sake of Christ. And had we celebrated the Mass of Holy Innocence, that's what that day is all about, to remember these precious souls. So King Herod's response to the revelation of the king out of his selfish desire to preserve his power, to preserve his way of life that he knew and enjoyed was to kill him off. I'll commit murder not only in my heart, but by my actions to preserve my chosen life and the life that I've been given. Glad we never do that in our hearts, do we? The chief priests and the scribes. So King Herod calls them, tells them what's going on. They know the prophecies. They even spoke to him the prophecy. If anyone knew the prophecies of the coming of their expected Messiah, the king, it would be these men. And they hear of the star that led these wise men off to Bethlehem. 
Wouldn't you think that these men would want to go and see for themselves if this is the coming Messiah? Doesn't it intrigue you at all? Why? Why didn't they go? The church teaches us it's because their heart no longer knew God. Their heart knew the law but failed to know anymore the lawgiver. And so their lives became indifferent. So what did they do? They went about their business in the temple. They went about their business in the temple, but indifferent to the revelation of God. What about the third party involved, the wise men? Who are they? Who are they? They're Gentiles from the east, probably from Arabia and Saba, as the prophecies would talk about. They were astrologers. They knew the stars, but not just knowing the stars. They knew various prophecies from all different religions about what the stars pointed to. And they paid attention to them, which is precisely why our God led them to the King of kings and Lord of lords by a star. Because they would see it and it would cause them to ponder because they couldn't figure it out. And you'd have to know more about it. They were well studied in the stars. They were rulers. They were politicians. They were magi, meaning they dabbled in spells. They did all of these things to be a wise man from the countries that they came from. They also, the church teaches us, had to know a lot about all of the religions that surrounded them in the known lands. Which is why they knew some of the prophecies of the Hebrews. So when they see this star never seen before, it drives them to go to Jerusalem. Because they knew that a king would come from there. And they would ask, as we would hear in the gospel, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? This is who they were searching for. For we've seen his star in the east and they've come to worship him. Now let's examine their response to the revelation of God. St. Leo the Great, Bishop of Rome from AD 440 to about AD 461. He has some great teachings on this. He calls us to take notice of their faith-filled perseverance and pursuit. Not only to find this king, but to worship him and to honor him. They would travel a travel distance that could take them from a month or two months even to travel just to find him. And they would bear the expenses of such travel. And they were willing to do that to pursue and find and seek out the revealed king who had come. And when they get to Jerusalem, they are going all over the place with a blessed desperation to find him, asking all over, where is this king that the star is trying to lead us to? And ultimately, they would get there. And when they would find the king, they would bow to this child. They would bow to this child. St. Leo the Great says this. They offered him gold. For royal honor and kingship. They offered him incense. For divine adoration and worship. They offered him myrrh. Which by the way was used to anoint the mortal body that died. They offered him myrrh. They saw the gifts even manifest the nature of the king. For he is king. And he is God to be worshipped. 
and he has been in flesh as man and would taste death so that we would not have to. My friends, I tell you this, that at times in each of our lives, we respond in all those three ways to God, if we're really honest. At times we are like King Herod, so loving our way of life, the choices that we make, our style and manner of living, our habits of living. We love it so much that we kill the life-giving Lord Jesus Christ by denying Him His work in our life so that we can maintain the life that we want. And it is so sick and broken and wounded of us to do so. Because when our life is threatened, my friends, our way of life is threatened, and it is threatened by Christ, but it's threatened out of divine love. Because our King comes to us to reveal to us that the choices we make and our manner of living leads the soul to death. And yet we keep Him at bay. We deny ourselves life. And we kill His offering. Other times, we are like the chief priests and the scribes. We go through the motions and they're beautiful and right motions. But are we failing to see the divine revelation through all of those motions that will change our lives? How so many times we get caught up in the what we do and how we do that we forget the who we're offering it to. We become indifferent and we can become numb to the experience of God if we're not careful. Just like the chief priests and scribes. Or I would highly suggest as your priest the third round. The route of the wise men to pursue God with such fervency that we see in these wise men. To abandon their own livelihood and country for a time. In order to hunger and see, I have to get to the king. I have to behold the son of God. And then as God continuously reveals himself to our life over and over and over again, that our life becomes an offering to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, an offering of our worship, an offering of our will, that God would be manifest in our lives, that we might see the healing that he has come to bring, and that through us others might as well. Lord would direct us to notice the wise men and to let our hearts turn so that we will truly seek him because he promises that those who seek me will find me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.